Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. This is another D-Rays Bay podcast special. I'm Brett Rutherford and joining me on this podcast, managing editor at DRaceBay.com, Danny Russell. Hey, boys. And senior writer at DRaceBay.com and host of Who's on Worst, our bad baseball movie podcast. It's Darby Robinson. Hello. It's a good podcast about bad movies. It is a great yes. podcast about bad movies. Yes, it is. Uh, but we are reacting. It's been it's a few hours removed. We were all, you know, doing our normal, you know, lives on a Thursday afternoon. But we are... This is an emergency podcast. We are reacting to the news that the split city, sister city, Montreal, Tampa Bay plan is dead. Thoughts? Dead, dead. Dead, dead. 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 The timing of it was interesting because the announcement came out at 11.15. There's going to be a press conference at 1. Less than two hours for a press Mm -hmm. conference is uh, worrisome. It, it reflects exactly what you think it reflects, that this is not something that was necessarily premeditated, that we were going to have a press conference today on this topic. And that's an interesting question, because something as big of a deal as the sister city concept is uh, something that all the owners kind of get together and talk about. And the owners meeting was in December. It, but what's interesting is that the executive council, which is the smaller group of owners, it's less than 10 um you know they don't publish a whole lot about it but it's kind of like the inner circle of owners for the commissioner for rob manfred uh, from what i understand met this week and kind of gave a a final proclamation on the sister city concept which is the idea that the rays would split their home games divide their season between tampa and the city of montreal and it was mlb that that put the nail in the coffin and said this is done so uh, let me get this right. So they, this, this issue was discussed at the owners meeting in December and then ultimately a, a final decision was reached this week by, by that council. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we kind of following this, like you said, it was 1115. It was going to be a one o'clock presser. Everyone's trying to read the tea leaves. Like, is this going to be good news or bad news? But I guess it kind of depends on, on what side you, you follow on this. I think for a lot of fans. <laughs> I Well, so let's let's save opinions. I'm interested okay. in Darby, Brett. I think we should um, maybe raise our voice at the end of the podcast, yeah. even though this is more like a special, right? Look, we tend to try to keep this to the news uh, on this stadium stuff because it's such a moving target all the time. And our opinions on, you know, uh, an op-ed on if it's good or if it's bad, tend to not really matter but now that it's gone i think it's an interesting opportunity to get into our opinions Let, let's stick to maybe like fact based first like what the heck happened what is next and then maybe close out with our opinions and the what the heck happened is the executive council i i pulled up the the press release that um the race put out this afternoon in reflections three paragraphs why don't i just dive into it really quick uh today the tampa bay rays announced that major league baseball's executive council <laughs> emphasis my own, has rejected the Rays' innovative sister city plan. Their words, not mine. 
The Rays received preliminary approval from Major League Baseball in 2019 to pursue the plan that, upon realization, would have featured the team sharing its home games between Tampa Bay and Montreal in new open-air ballparks in each market. The plan was designed to keep the team in Tampa Bay for generations, return baseball to Montreal, and significantly improve the team's local revenues and player payroll capacity. The team would have taken advantage of the complementary weather patterns between the two regions playing the beginning of the season in Tampa Bay and the latter portion in Montreal. This would have eliminated the need for enclosing the ballparks, which dramatically reduces ballpark construction costs. Postseason games would have been shared across both regions. We're going into a lot of detail for some reason, and I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> the plan is dead. It's dead. Stop selling. Stop selling. It's already. It's like the the train is well, out I, of the I, station. I, that's kind of what I wanted to yell at Stu through the screen today too. It's like he's still got that candle that he's carrying as he at the funeral. <laughs> Um, anyway, for more than two and a half years, the Rays have worked to advance the sister city plan both in Tampa Bay and Montreal, including site identification and design of each ballpark. The Rays were also engaged in an extensive advocacy effort in Tampa Bay prior to Major League Baseball's decision. We know. With baseball's <laughs> rejection of the sister city plan, the Rays are terminating its advocacy in pursuit. Rays principal owner Stu Sternberg interesting that they called him stew in a press release i've never seen that before uh said the news is very disappointing and the rays will continue to focus on the 2022 season so it was just a lot the press conference itself was uh, a lot to take in because uh it was uh, a lot of grimacing and the tone was very sad and i'm very intentional with the word funeral too because talking to people in the organization especially at the executive level where people were definitely working toward this for, for two and a half years in a very serious way. This abrupt conclusion on the sister city effort was not anticipated to come like right now. It's not like we knew this person was sick for a long time and then they passed away. It, they dropped dead of, a, of an aneurysm on Tuesday. So I think that's also implied in the rush nature of the press conference, right? I don't think the team expected the effort to be over right now. I do think maybe the writing was on the wall. We had that weird Saturday letter published in the Tampa Bay Times where uh, various business leaders came together and, and signed on to a statement that the Sister City concept was the way to go. Um, and, you know, we haven't even seen yet the long-promised Hillsborough County uh, sports report on the feasibility of a new stadium in the area, both for part-time and full-time is what that report was to, uh, to, to include. I don't know when we're going to ever see that report. Uh, it has not been published and it's been due for a long time. Um, but the timing was abrupt. And I, do given what we know now, I thought that looking back at that, that letter with all the business leaders and there was a lot of talk about that, that the sign was in, it was in the paper now that kind of looks to me like some mm -hmm. sort of last ditch effort. Major League Baseball, look, there's support for this, even though like they didn't have all the big business leaders in the Tampa Bay area signed on to this. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it was a it was a big deal, and I thought now looking back at it, it looks like that 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 was their last effort to show MLB this is possible. We have the support, but ultimately, I guess it wasn't enough to to persuade some of the other owners on on the exec council. It. Yeah, because it was some business leaders. It wasn't the biggest fish. And I think that was clear once you actually kind of lifted up a couple of rocks and figured out who had signed on. 
you know, in some cases, a large company was represented by someone retired. It was a very mm -hmm. odd statement. And so I do think upon reflection, you can kind of say, well, what exactly was that, uh, that letter? You know, what did it represent really? Um, and of course, all the other owners know who the big business leaders are here because they all have spring trading facilities and do business in, in the Tampa Bay region anyways. <laughs> and timing wise, we are putting this in between in December, there was a meeting and we can maybe speculate that that might have started to go downhill. Then they come out with this in January where they're saying, look at that people, people like it. And then you have the executive kind of put the final nail in the coffin, that, that um, smaller group that can say nay and put the thumbs down. So it does seem like the timeline lines up where up until, the, up until this point, up until I guess December, it seemed like, I mean, it publicly MLB was very much saying, yeah, we support it. Rob Manfred has multiple times said, and Rob Manfred would never lie to us, but Rob Manfred very many times publicly was saying that the, the, the stance of MLB was, this is, this is a viable plan. And it's always been more positive than say Oakland's plans. Like it, it, Manfred has always been much more, uh, at least publicly sounding negative towards Oakland's long-term feasibility in Oakland. Whereas Stu and the Rays plan for a split city seemingly was, was something that MLB was on board with, but that clearly changed, or at least, at least privately things finally came to the surface and that came that came out the athletics have always had a much more difficult mountain to climb their stadium floods with sewage and they have at best a 25 percent market share in the in the market that they're in the rays are the only major league product in well, north or central florida when it comes, uh, unless you start including all the spring training and, or the influence of the Yankees yeah. and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So there is some complicating factors, but. But it's a much, you're right though. It's a much less steep hill to climb than having the San Francisco Giants be across <laughs> the bay. I mean, it, it's like a storied franchise with a lot of success, huge market share. I mean that, yeah, it's, it's a, they're, they're in a colors, much tougher spot. Their colors are way cooler. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know that Kelly Green, Oakland. That's really good. <laughs> I, I don't know um, which team has long ago. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already made our choice. Uh, but but it is an interesting. It is interesting though how how quickly um, it all came to an end. Like I think today we we heard uh, reporting. Um, uh, it was what uh, Zach uh, Blobner um, mm -hmm. at Zach on the mic was the first person I saw on Twitter to report that this, this abrupt two hours later meeting would be uh, that the sister city plan was dead, which obviously I was very skeptical about. But then come the press conference, Stu seemed to be quite interested, per, let's say, at, to how Zach got that info and who in the well, MLB office so maybe told him. Yeah, the Rays are not accustomed to people having a scoop, right? While Zach was first to um, put information out there on Twitter before the press conference began, uh, Mark Topkin very quickly had a very long article on the subject, you know, as the press conference was beginning. So it's not like the news wasn't out there. They just weren't expecting it to be out there in terms of on Twitter or, or stirring the pot. Um, you know, clearly they did not want a very long road between uh, or a long gap of time between announcing the press conference and, and calling it in less than two hours. 
Um, so yeah, I, it was interesting in the Q and A portion that Stu would, you know, have his uh, have his beef with that. He's not used to responding to a very big media market, and so when the Tampa Bay market acts like a big market and gets a scoop, mm-hmm. he's not accustomed to that experience. So that and, was and thinking back on that. I don't know if he was necessarily mad at, at Zach for breaking the story. It seemed like now he was more upset that it did leak, whether you know whoever it was. Uh, but I give credit to Zach for one breaking the story, being very accurate on all of his reporting. And in and acting like a, a true professional in that in that Q and A when Stu pressed him a little bit. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Yeah. And it's a two way street. You're like Danny's right. This is like this is this is a, a not a uncommon thing to happen to anybody, the Steinbrenners, or uh, as as Steve Cohen has found out in uh, New York that hmm. you know this is a this is softball stuff compared to what New York media or Boston media will go through. Um, you know, on everything. Cause there's a lot more leaks. There's a lot more long time connections to the team or to the league where it's, you can see this, everybody leaks much more than the Rays do because there just isn't quite the same level of, of pressure or at least longstanding pressure. So I think this was a very interesting new thing for the Rays to have to go through and Stu have to go through. And I don't think he handled it poorly. I just thought it was a very, it, it was interesting. So, this is the first time the narrative was he- not controlled. Did you think he handled it overall well? You know, that there's two different versions. Stu the fan, which is Stu in the middle of a broadcast, you know, jumps on the mic and mm-hmm. is calling a game live. And, and I want to have a beer with this person. You know, uh, uh, I would hang out with this guy. It's so great. And then you have these press conference versions of Stu Sternberg. So what was, what was your takeaway on, on what he had to say? It wasn't the worst Stu press conference I've ever seen. True. Uh, so grading on a curve on a stew curve, that might be different. Um, his, his press conferences are always really tough. He is not, he is very off the cuff and is very from, you know, like for everything you can really, uh, say about him as an owner, I think he is not a very sharp PR guy that will give you tons and tons of weird coach. I think he does say what he believes and will get in trouble a lot of times because of that. And, uh, and yeah, I think in this press conference, you could tell he was very disappointed. He seemed very kind of dejected in a lot of ways. This was not a, um, it was not like a, a, everything's fine. Everything will succeed. It wasn't dour. He wasn't saying like, everything's doomed. I can't wait to sell. He did, he did address questions of sell, of moving the team and both of those things he kind of shot down. Sure. Um, and I have- have some direct quotes on that that we can get into. Yeah, and I think those are going to be really important because there were some great. He, I will say this: he took a lot of questions. He took a lot of tough questions from a lot of different people, and I thought he handled those questions about as well as you could in these situations. I think some people could maybe handle it better, and there could have been some maybe a sharper. I, I do think that the odd still selling the sister city plan at the end is still a very weird stance. And I he think was going carrying into the candle. This, he, he was, st- he still had that torch lit. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he has not given up on the dream. And, and, and it almost seems like uh, if, if I were to think of something that annoyed me the most annoyed me, annoyed me as a fan annoyed me as someone who wishes I could give him notes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the conflating the history of anything that's ever happened uh, to the team to being the same thing as the sister city concept. So going into things like, 
look, we were the first ones to do the defensive shift, <laughs> right? That's not the same as saying I'm going to remove half of the home games from my fan base, right? Uh, we were the first ones to go uh, cashless at Tropicana Field. And even um, using that, a reporter on the call here has even said, why do you have to be first on such things? We like to be first or we don't mind being first, maybe uh, mm -hmm. how he would have said that. Going cashless at Tropicana Field, as we put on our site, has real life consequences for real life people, right? It's not mm -hmm. something happening on the field, right? It's not, you know, the opener uh, or, or some fleeting baseball concept. My, so my tweet kind of got lost in the mix today. I thought I was going to get a few more likes, but I said the Rays may have revolutionized the opener and the shift, but they couldn't be the first team to open the season in one city before shifting to another. <laughs> all right. See, I like oh. that. That's actually that was good. good. That was good. Yeah. Checks There's the a mail. lot of this was, I will say this for the, the sister city concept. It, a lot of, lot of good content, a lot of good content today. I mean, everybody really brought, brought their a game online and uh I, so i think the other thing that Stu mentioned there that was interesting in the press conference was and it was and it was addressed right which was something that a lot of people brought up which was is this a was this a just pure uh leverage play and is this now like shifting to threatening to move and it does seem like Stu saw this plan the sister city plan as a viable option in his, uh, I, I don't think it was purely leverage from him. I do think leverage was a big part of it. I think the the number one goal has still remained get enough money from Tampa to move to Tampa and build a stadium there. But I think failing that, the split city plan, in theory, as a business practice, has a lot of potential there. I don't think it works in practice practicality. I don't think it works with humans involved, you know, fandom and people and living in two different places. All of well, those no, no, let, let me, I, I've always but, called BS on the, on the players not being into it. That, that one aspect of criticism, there's so many criticisms against the sister city concept players, not wanting to have to move where they live mid season. They do that anyway. It's called spring training. It's just extended spring training that matches the school year. And then the school year ends and then your whole family moves together in Montreal. If anything, actually, I thought the timing made a lot of sense and that the players union complaints about whatever about moving midseason made no sense to me. So I, I, will, I it will is call... different, though, to move across borders in the middle of the year. Whatever. Where those taxes kind of ended up, I think, would probably be the big thing the players union who, who wanted. Who was that ever impacted, though? Mark Burley couldn't bring his pit bulls to Toronto. That's the only time I ever remember but it, that's, hearing. That's one case, but it's different when everybody on your 40-man roster has to be ready to move to Canada every single year. I, Which I is totally is... not what people do in April. I am not defending the Sister City concept <laughs> generally. <laughs> no, but, but there are issues. talking point has always been annoying to me because I thought it made so you, no so you sense think the play, you think the players You think the players union would not have balked had this, had this plan advanced further? Now that's a completely different conversation because the players union is going to balk at every single thing that they can. Okay, so it MLB did affect the viability of the plan. The, the fact that the players union would have an issue with it. The fact that the players union would have to agree is yes. a different issue than the timing of when players would need to move okay. across borders. Let me separate those two things out. Okay. I, so, a guarantee, so, guarantee the players union was going to fight this because they could. Yes. Well, it's a, it's another, it's another big thing that I don't think you should, you know, it, it's all these carrots, right? It's, it's a hurdle. Concessions. Yeah. 
I, I do think though, as a business practice, right? I, again, not to, to not to condemn or condone the idea of a split city plan, but I do think Yet. when you lay it out, when you lay it out, I can see why somebody like Stu and the Rays who do business practices in unique ways to, to earn the fortunes that he has in Wall Street can see this idea as two markets, two, two television markets, two fan bases, like Danny said, you're really just moving spring training deeper. It's not as big of a, a move as people were making it out to be. I, I Listen, I think laying it out, there are business-wise that, like, why not? Why not take advantage of the money that you can from two markets? I do think when you factor in humans, it gets much more complicated and gets a lot more buy-in. But I get where he's coming from there. So I think as a secondary plan, right, you need, when you're, when you're asking, the, the general public to put tax dollars, put tax dollars into building a stadium for a private business, that is a big ask, right? Now you need a leverage play. So I think he thought that the sister city plan was a leverage play that could, that could be an acceptable solution that also would not poison the well for the fans. I do not think he thought that through enough that the sister city plan was basically the same thing as saying we're going to move the team, right? Every single club that ever has tried to get a new stadium has basically done the same playbook. Seattle, the Seattle Mariners were going to move to to Tampa. The Chicago White Sox were going to move to Tampa. Uh, uh, the the San Francisco were Giants were going to move to Tampa. Our favorite team. They all they all used us as a leverage. Montreal has been the same exact thing for other people. They're sitting there with their buckets of money ready to go. Nobody wants to actually have to move to Montreal, but it's a good leverage play. So I think Stu really did see this as a potential, if I can't get full full money for the, the full season stadium, maybe I can get partial for this plan. And it and I think to him, he saw this as a better, uh, and he in the press conference, he even said like, you know, I didn't, people have asked me to use moving as a leverage okay i i, I, I have the, i have the quote let's get into let's, it let's bring that because quote, yeah. the the other thing that bothers me a little bit when uh these kinds of press conferences happen is you get comments from Stu that are something like um you know i i would never uh i would never do this thing but you know never say never mm -hmm. right and that little qualifier at the end of it is uh, what other situation can you think of where those kinds of statements are exam are, are, are proper examples? I I I would never um, cheat on my test, teacher. But you know, I might someday. Like those kinds of uh, or, or you know, keep uh, sharp in, Don't. <laughs> in a relationship, right? Like if you're in a relationship and you're talking to your uh, significant other, I would never cheat on you. But you know, I also say never say never. So. Mm -hmm. uh, like the Rays fan base does not feel married to the Tampa Bay Rays because of the relationship that the organization has had with the fan base interaction by removing the words Tampa Bay from the jersey by, um, you know, by entertaining splitting the, the you know, that's like, oh, mom and dad are just separating, right? <laughs> was the was the analogy put on the site uh, by Lizzie. Uh, back in the day like there there are certainly conceptual issues with that and no amount of like raise investments in the community and building playgrounds or being advocates for all sorts of diverse groups in the community is going to make up for the fact that the vast majority of people already felt slighted and you're not going to get the same amount of spotlight on the good that you're doing when you do something wrong 
and it, it, the equation does not balance. It's not an even scale. Let's get into the quote because we we went crazy there. <laughs> that was the um, one, the question and, and the answer to the, I, I, th I think this is the quote you're going to read off. Is the, the one question I was waiting for one of the people in that Zoom call to ask, and, and, it, and of course it, it was the guy that's been here for the entirety of the franchise, Mark Topkin, that asked it and, and led to this quote. All right. This is uh, the words of Stu Sternberg. I have never had an intention of selling the team. I do not foresee having an intention of selling the team. You never know what the future brings, but that hasn't been my intention. And that's the walk I've walked all this time. As far as relocation. Okay, well, that's the next part. So let's pause and consider the first thing. Uh, he had to know his words are gonna get parsed, so we're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. I have never had an intention of selling the team. I do not foresee having an intention of selling the team. You never know what the future brings. If I don't get the stadium money, what's the point of owning this team? This is a leverage play. You can't be, yeah. you, you're looking into the camera and saying, I would never do this to you. Wink. Right. Like it, that's what those statements Stu are. Stu is really rough at the idea. He wants to be liked. Okay. He really, really does. He does not want to be the bulldog that, that has to say this, but honestly, here's the thing. Clear is kind in this situation, right? We all are here. The split city plan, maybe I'll sell, maybe we'll move. These are these are all, like, we all know that if there's no stadium built in Tampa, the team is gone, right? Like, I, like treat, treat the fan base like adults. It, you're not being nice by offering things that are, like, softer or trying to mealy mouth around it. Like, I think this is the key. Like, this is a tough, this is a tough situation. It's a tough, it's a, it's a really difficult thing to argue, right? Because major league owners do not buy their own stadiums. They are cheapskates in that regard. They got to billions of dollars because they won't spend money if they don't have to. This is the way this unfortunate world works where Atlanta gets to move their stadium a few miles and gets a near billion dollar stadium paid for by the county. The Rangers a, got to do that down the street when their stadium was it's, fine. It's a it's a tough situation. Those those situations I I I'm again not condoning what Stu is doing, but you look at that spot and you go why should I be paying money when other cities will pay the money for me? They're going to pay a larger share. So what he needs to do is to stop trying to be like kind of soft, like he doesn't want to like step on people's toes by saying, if I don't get this new stadium, I'm selling. And the person that buys it is moving the team. But guess what? That's the way it's always been. That's always been, there's a ticking clock. It's 2027. And if there's no new stadium in Tampa, there's going to be a new stadium somewhere else. And the Rays will be playing there, period. End of discussion. Let's, let's treat people like adults. This is where it's at. I agree with you wholeheartedly. No, Darby, you're completely right because that is exactly what the conversation should be at this point moving forward, right? I okay, think you, you the dance sister around city, yeah. the sister sitting being dead, I think is what is, I think that is the celebration, right? This doesn't mean the Rays are staying in Tampa or in St. Pete, but no. I think this is what you're, this is what you're about to talk about, which is this means we can finally act like adults and talk about what it is. Which right. is how I, much? So What's the I price? believe him when he says, I don't want to move the team out of Tampa, right? Uh, 
because he's from Brooklyn uh, and short of being able to probably move the team to Brooklyn, this is his other home, right? So, okay, talk to us like adults. It sounds like the negotiating I do with my four-year-old when she wants ice cream and I'm being like, I don't know. Like, if then really it's about like, I don't know if we have time for that because you have to be home for dinner, right? Like it, it's this weird, like not being 100% truthful about whether or not you're gonna get this nice thing is the way you speak to children. And it is the time has come to speak to everyone like they're adults. And if the, the calculus is, I only have $350 million and that's it. And that's the number that's been out there when it was the sister city concept, maybe that number moves up or down, let's be honest, if it's a full season. Um, I don't know if it's gonna be the exact same number, but if you have a number, stick to your guns, keep saying that number, and then just see what happens and let the county come forward and just say, if, look, I only have $350 million. And if the county doesn't step up to cover the rest, I'm selling the team. Just say it, say the thing, instead of this little rope-a-dope that you're doing with everyone that's at the, listening to your press conference. It, does, it's, it makes you look deceitful. And I, it's not kind. I don't think it's clear and I don't think it's kind. Let's finish the quote. As far as relocation, it's probably not served me incredibly well, but I have never threatened to move the team out of the region. Pause. Not true. You threatened to take half the season away. Anyway, as far as relocation, <laughs> and, it's and not Brian Ald has well. talked about the idea of relocation to Nashville. That has been reported. So maybe there hasn't been an official public statement by the team, but we we're all pretty well informed that that's not the case. Right. Well, this is Sternberg speaking and not Brian Ald, right? Wow. So uh, he he says it's probably not served me incredibly well, but I have never threatened to move the team out of the region. That seems to be 101 in the playbook of getting stadia and arenas built. <laughs> I love this. And I don't criticize it. <laughs> it's, uh, it just hasn't been my way to this point. Mm -hmm. And people have advised me to do that. And maybe I'm worse off for not having that advice. But I think introducing that, you know, is just not necessarily practical. And it's not necessarily fair to your fan base. But I never say never. It's not anything I'm thinking about. Though the circles we run in at the, at the end of that, you can hear me just trying to figure out like, how can I most clearly say this <laughs> and, and, and show that you're kind of seesawing back and forth with these ideas. Uh, it's not necessarily fair to your fan base is an amazing statement to make in this press conference about what is fair to a fan base. But, and then to say like, I don't criticize the idea of, of basically dangling a relocation as an incentive to get the money that I need to build a stadium, then just stop patting yourself on the back for not following every other billionaire and millionaire's advice on how to do this. So far, I've listened to none of my peers and good job by me. Uh, I did not succeed. And, uh, you know, I'm not thinking about succeeding, but I never say never. Like, what, what are we trying to say? I think, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to toe the line here. And as a major in communication with a, well, and a master's degree in communication, I think I can say this in terms of the rhetoric from this specific quote, it felt like very Trumpian rhetoric. It was. 
And again, I'm not saying that about Sue Sternberg as a person. I'm not making any other claims other than the rhetoric that we saw used during the Trump presidency. I thought was very similar to this specific quote. And I don't think, I think out of all the things Stuart Sternberg said in terms of achieving his goals, this might have been the most effective statement that he made. Because he basically threatened relocation without threatening relocation. And like Danny's saying, if you're going to do it, just just do it. Say, basically, we know, we all know the game here. This is yep. what needs to happen. And ultimately, I, this was, that was the one question I was waiting for, and it was the answer. I didn't know if Stu was going to give. And in a sideways way, he, he, he kind of did. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the thing is, these things are always going to get worse before they get better. But the closer to the end, they are going to be fierce, brutal, ugly negotiations. There's no way about it. You are extracting public money and tax dollars to fund yourself and enrich yourself, period. That's what we're talking about. Now, guess what? You're not going to make friends. People are not going to like you in this situation. You're an adult, grow up, but guess what? After it, after it's done, when you are opening, opening day on that new stadium, nobody's going to care. People are going to be happy for you and happy the team is here and all of that. But guess what? You're got to be the bad guy for the next few years. You just got to be. Seattle, it got ugly, but the team on the field, they had success and suddenly the money was there and there was a new stadium. San Francisco, these things are ugly until they're not. And Stu, Stu Sternberg trying to be everything to everybody and not be a bad guy, man, it's worse. It's so much worse. What you're saying is so much worse than if you just said, guess what? This is my price. Like Danny said, 350 million. This is what I got. You, you guys pick up the rest of the tab. Otherwise, Nashville, man, I love country music. Montreal, I love those accents up there. Portland, you know that uh, Montreal and Nashville have a long history of uh, being two cultures that could complement each other very well. Um, yeah, whatever I you ag- want, but like it's to, it's to agree with to both leave. of you, to agree with both of you, Brett, to agree with you, it did feel very Trumpian. You know, it reminds me of those quotes where he's, he'll be like, oh, you remember the good old days when if somebody yelled, you just punched him in the face and then act surprised when his uh, followers start punching people in the face in the crowd. Like it, it's that kind of stuff where you're talking about it backwards and you really mean the other thing is how it reads. And then also Darby, to your credit, this feels like gaslighting, right? The way these com- uh, the, these comments come across are, I've been so nice to you this whole time, right? And the answer is clearly the local fan base doesn't agree. Otherwise there would have been a, a groundswell to make this sister city concept happen. In Stu's, I think in Stu's opinion, inside his opinion, for some reason, he believes the split city plan is different than the relocation threat. Because he even mentions, I've never threatened to move the team. Because you wouldn't be moving the team, you'd just be moving half of the team. So he, for some reason, has convinced himself that a split city plan is different. When fundamentally, to the fans, it's not. And maybe 
in theory, that's what he thought could sell it is that you don't lose your team. It's just somebody else gains part of your team, but that's just not how it works. And people saw the split city plan as akin to just moving. So guess what? You already threatened the leverage play, but you did so in such a weird way that you made the fan. It's the same thing. Just say like, guess what? I want to be in Tampa, but you got to show up and you got to put pressure on your politicians to give me that money. And guess what? That's if, if there's enough support, they will. If not, you can't, you can't get blood from a stone. There's already not enough support. There's not enough support here. The Rays are playing in division games in September and 7,500 people are coming to the stadium. And I don't care that there was an ongoing pandemic, right? Those were abysmal numbers across the, the, the sport. And the numbers have gotten worse. Like from when the team was yeah. not performing this well, the years like we'll say twenty. What were the what were those middling years? Twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. The team mm-hmm. did better. And like uh, yes, again, there's the pandemic. You had the owner touting a sister city plan, and those are two very big things. But still, this team was coming off an American League championship where nobody got to go to see any of those games until the World Series. And in June and July, the. CDC guidance was basically saying, if you're vaccinated, go be free. That didn't shoot up attendance either. And so there was a, there's a lot of, I, I think, I, I was personally shocked. How does this keep getting worse? The team is better. They've made upgrades to the stadium, yet in te- attendance continues to drop. Why? I do, think, I do think this is where that split city plan, by not being clear, I think Stu actually hurt himself worse. I think he thought he was doing something better, but instead it actually made people more tuned out in, in all of this. Now, this is going to be the, the one other quote. I'm not sure, Dan, if you have it, but he mentioned his like expectation for, um, for like attendance figures. And I actually thought that was a really good quote from Stu because I, he, he seemed to get the, his expectation for what he would want in attendance is actually right in line with what I think is achievable. He doesn't have any idea of like, I want to be top 15. He was saying in the 20 to 25 range. And that is, I think, totally achievable for a team that has a potentially top 15 star player in Wander. Uh, You have a potential uh, great perennial World Series contender. I think you can achieve that that attendance. And I think that's actually... A really realistic thing. If that's his goal, if he wants to get to there, I think the Rays could absolutely should get to there in attendance. I don't know. I'm skeptical. Um, I'm skeptical of the viability of the finances in the local area, and I'm skeptical of the fan base to to respond. It seems really difficult for this relationship to get revived, um, but, and that relationship being fan base to to ownership. I mean, maybe it's build it and they will come, right? Uh, I'm not on who's on worst right now, but uh, maybe I have that quote backwards. But I mean, I can't. Let, I, let, if they move to Tampa, let's talk about what's next. Yeah. Well, I, again, I when I when I get when I got this news, I always try to file any stadium news into: is this good news? Is this bad news? Or is this just news? And I kind of went back and forth today: was this good news or was this just news? Because for a lot of people, myself included, I never thought the sisters. And maybe I was short sighted in this. Never thought the Sister City plan was possible. Never thought it was going to come to fruition. And so when it got canned today, I'm like, okay, well, now we can move on. Like Kind of like Darby said, now we know what the deal is. We're not toying with this idea anymore. And so my thoughts about 
what the final destination is for this team didn't really change. I've always thought the most likely outcome was a full-time stadium in Tampa. I don't say that. I don't know if that's a likely outcome, but out of all the possible outcomes, it might be most likely. And I still think it is. So next, what's next? I, I think we should get into that. Um, what's next is the Rays go completely back to the drawing board uh, yeah. with five years to go. And it takes about four years to build a stadium. So by the end of the 2022 season, they need to be breaking ground on a new stadium or they'll be caught into this limbo where the stadium's not done yet and they have to find like a one-year home somewhere else. That. Is is there is there like an awkward in-between that you could probably do? Yeah, you could probably negotiate one more year under the Tropicana Field Use Agreement. You could probably negotiate a year of using Raymond James for 70 games in and in 10 games in Puerto Rico or something like, or, or go to Montreal, right? <laughs> um, you could pro probably figure out a stopgap year where they do something a little different. Um, but be probably the end of 2023. Uh, and I, I'm just spitballing that, but this does seem like do or die for getting like a brand new 2028. We move into our new stadium is this year. I do think you would still get like a buffer year in limbo where you, there's still like a 11th hour solution that could come through. So you've got like one to two years left in terms of timing. In terms of location, it's definitely Tampa or bust in terms of keeping the team in the area. So that Hillsborough County report needs to come out and have some numbers attached. Uh, there needs to be grown-up conversations about whether or not you can use any kind of local taxes, what amount of infrastructure money could be thrown at a solution, uh, what kind of tax incremental financing exists today or could be built into the future. Um, the state of Florida itself is not really giving out any subsidies for building stadiums anymore. That was kind of the political landscape right now in Tallahassee. So you're not gonna get very much help from there. So it's all really down to county politics and local politics. And if the raise number is only 350 and the uh, infrastructure is like, I don't know, let's say at best 150 through something like that, tax incremental financing is not gonna get you very far. And if you're building full-time in Tampa, you probably do need a dome. And that need for a roof, and that need comes down to lightning and, and, and adverse weather. Um, it, it is a real need in Tampa to, to guarantee heat. you can play all of your, uh, yeah, and <laughs> you know, bleep yourself on that or throw the explicit rating on our podcast so we don't get taken down. Um, it, it's a problem. The roof is a real problem because if you take something like uh, the K-Force building, which is a location that has been written about in the Tampa Bay Times, but has never been solidified as a real thing that's going to happen. It's adjacent to the Tampa Park uh, 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 buildings that got purchased by the Gasworks development, which is that area that uh, the Rays originally wanted to build their stadium and then they lost it. And the land finally came together years later. It's all very complicated. There's a lot of redevelopment happening in Ebor. That K-Force building is in a historical district. That historical district has height restrictions. You think you can put a dome on a location that has height restrictions? Like that K-Force building, is not a big enough site for you to build all the pillars that are required to put a roof on it. There's no way. Or if it is, nothing is getting built around the stadium. No parking lots, no you know restaurants or whatever team stores you're trying to build. And the Rays have long had this position of we're just building a stadium. That's why they keep looking for partners for the redevelopment. They clearly are not in Atlanta, Cubs, 
Cardinals. Uh, actually, pretty much every single team in Major League Baseball is now in the real estate business. The Rays don't seem interested in doing that, um, or at least they want someone else to come alongside and do that, and they need a partner to pull it off. Sure, um, there's already not really space for that unless you're trying to fold into that Gasworks project. So unless they can get some land from the Gasworks project, I don't really have any faith that that Cape Forest location even works, even if the historic district did not have the, the height restrictions uh, on that would be complicated by a roof. That roof design for the Ebor Stadium was like 30 stories high. It, like, it was very underrated how large that roof was going to be. It was a massive dome. So, I mean, if you've been to Tropicana Field, you know how tall it is. It is quite large. The roof is twice the size of the stadium itself, right? So in terms of height, back to the drawing board. That's my point. You have this year to figure it out if you want to roll into a place on time. You have probably the next year if you want to roll into a place late. Uh, but you're going to have to find a new spot because I, I am severely skeptical that uh, Ebor City is now in the cards unless Daryl Shaw's Gasworks thing wants to roll back all of its plans and go back to that original Ebor location next to the highway where such a, a tall stadium was going to be permitted to be built. What we've seen at, in the aftermath of this was both mayors of St. Pete and Tampa released statements positively, et cetera. This, the mayor of, uh, of Tampa, um, she has been pretty vocal about, about the idea of, of keeping teams. It's now going to come down to how What's the dollar amount of how how passionate you are about keeping these teams? And we've we know that coming up in the future, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be asking for more money for uh, stadium uh, developments at Raymond James Stadium. So that's going to be potentially earmarked. It, we're going to see how much money there is in 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 Hillsborough. We're going to see how much money there is in in Florida, in Central Florida, to accommodate a new stadium. And we're going to see if that number matches. The raise. I mean, that's a, the, the simple brass tax. And I think the closer we get to the the end is the closer we get to a reality. You don't need to offer money until it's now, basically. The next two years are when suddenly you have to actually offer money. Before then, it's just talk. I, I think if the Rays are serious about keeping the team in this region, they're going to need to look not only in Ebor or downtown Tampa I think this last attempt with the split city and that K force, that old K force location, um, that was their last shot to get in Ebor. Like you said, the Gasworks developments. That's that. I think they've already missed the boat there, and it's never too late. But they're going to need to start looking. I don't know. Uh, the, the fairgrounds is 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 a location that's always been kicked around. I don't know the the feasibility of that. Maybe you look even in North Tampa. And it might not be the everyone. Everyone's always had this idea for this waterfront location, or this beautiful spot. And it's like it's just it's not feasible, especially not as Danny said, with such little time left on the clock. I think I think all of us here would love to have the team full time in the Tampa Bay region for the rest of our lifetimes. Um, and to do that, I think they've they've got to start looking elsewhere other than than just than just Ebor at this point. I mean, right, a boys. lot of stadiums are put wherever, so it doesn't matter. Seattle's I, I, is in yeah. the in the waterfront. It's not even on the waterfront. It's in the like warehouses uh, yeah. <laughs> and shipping. Well, so all the stadiums, like, all the stadiums are there. Yeah, they're, they're just placed in wherever. Nats Park is in the Navy Yard. Mm -hmm. well, let's let's land the plane. Uh, 
I would love it if we could all raise our voice, Brett, to to use your podcast theme. Well, we didn't have a raise your voice this week, so this works. <laughs> this is perfect. What is each of y'all's personal take on Sister City as a concept? Number one. And number two, are the Rays staying in Tampa? I thought the Sister City plan, I did, I never really bought into it. I never thought it would come into reality. I thought as a business side, it just feels like too smart by half in the sense of, in theory, I'm sure the numbers look really good, but we were never going to get there. So now that it's done, now we can actually have grown-up conversations, finally. And now we actually have some time to actually figure out what we're going to do. So I, I do think the Rays are going to stick in, in Tampa. I think this the market there is going to be better than any other relocation option. I do think eventually it's such an interesting political thing. And I think Florida with the money, I do think eventually it becomes more of a, we'd rather not leave. And the cost difference between the offer from Tampa and the off and the potential offer from Nashville or Vegas just isn't going to be enough to do that downgrade from uh, the, the, the market. And so I think eventually Stu gonna come, is going to come up. The County is going to come up. And potentially they get a little bit more creative minded towards the actual other financing, maybe looping in the Seminole tribe in some way. I think that's eventually what's going to have to happen, but I think it's going to be in two years. I don't think we have anything next year. I think two years is when we do it. And I do think we have to get creative with that year buffer. I I always, I never liked the sister city plan, but I always said, or I I guess I came to the realization that I would have taken it over full-time relocation. Like if the Rays were still, or whatever they were, if they weren't called the Rays, maybe not, but if they still remained the Tampa Bay slash Montreal or whatever they decided to call them Rays, if they were playing baseball in April, May, and June in Tampa, and I lived still in the state of Florida, am I not going to watch games? Am I not going to go to games? If that same team I watched was going into the postseason or you know in a pennant chase in september am i not going to watch those games on tv am i not going to make maybe once a year or once every other year a trip to, to quebec to go to those games i don't know like, i i can't see myself having been a fan of this team my whole life not supporting them when they're still playing baseball in florida for half the year with that being said i'm glad it's done and I do think the most likely outcome is a full-time stadium. Well, we now we know it'll be full-time, but a stadium in Tampa. I'm not taking Tampa versus the field. I don't think like they're the overwhelming favorite. It could very well end up being Nashville or Vegas or Charlotte or Montreal, right? But I'm, I, I still think Tampa's the most likely outcome. But I'm not. They don't have fifty plus one yet. They're, I'm not taking them versus the field. Yeah, I'm in a similar position in terms of viability. I. If you were to take all of the stadium locations, maybe I give like a, a raise a 30% chance of being the final destination versus the field. So maybe they're the favorite overall, but gosh, I would say the odds are more in favor overall of relocation. And so I, I guess using fair. my 30% figure, that's like 70% chance of relocation after this. I would conference. go, I would, I would go like give Tampa like a 40 to 45% chance. Of, of getting that I'm, I'm more pessimistic right now just because I'm more pessimistic about any kind of deal materializing because if a deal was going to materialize surely it would have happened by now right um except now, for there was yeah. no pressure 
you there's have no a pressure before now well, because no, you were yeah. being clear. It yeah, there's a happened. no mayor. They were not clear. There's no pressure. I think those are the things that are the most interesting thing is that Stu looked back, I and, and not to take up your time, but Stu looked back a lot today and said 2008 and the 2017 plans. And like those, those are different worlds. Those are completely different worlds and those were silly, right? 2008 was an economic downturn for the globe. So obviously nobody is giving money out to anybody. Uh, there was a huge market collapse. And the last one in Ebor, they're different mayor, different interests. You had poisoned the well with, with St. Pete as well. So you had nobody to leverage off of. So I, I think looking back, it's like, it's hard to tell what you have there versus, it, it doesn't tell what's going on in the future. I think we're starting at a new fresh place, but we haven't been starting because we had this stupid sister city plan to deal with in the meantime. That was just a, a flight of fancy. My take on sister city is that it was incorrectly positioned as a concept. If the sister city had been rolled out as a phase one of a larger overall plan for what the Rays were up to, I think it would have been a much more interesting, a more complex idea, but also more interesting one. Let's say the sister city concept sounded like this. We are not sure, we are not convinced at this time of the viability of, nor is Major League Baseball convinced of the Montreal market. Make Rob Manfred the boogeyman, that's fine, right? MLB won't let us build uh, a full-time stadium in Tampa. They said no, but good news. They're letting us build a new stadium. Look, we've got the Rowdies. We need a spring training home. I think we can justify building an open air concept stadium here. And then we'll uh, have that other stadium in Montreal. We'll be in two locations. That's phase one. If, if, and when baseball succeeds in both of those locations, We'll have an option to add a roof to our stadium in Tampa, which we can uh, achieve during the off season. And that would be great. And Montreal will also have the same opportunity to add a roof as well. And if the worst case scenario is both stadiums are selling out uh, in five years, we'll check in. If stadium uh, traffic is booming in both locations, MLB has already said Montreal can spin off and become its own franchise. We'll, we'll divide. It was a fun five-year experiment. The Rays will be the full-time Rays again. The Expos will be the full-time Expos again. And this five-year testing the waters will be great. If it's only good in one market, that market gets to split off on its own. And the other one gets to find a new place to sister city with. And then we'll consider another expansion opportunity. But like you hear this, this is galaxy brain right? This is talking about doing something completely different with major league franchises, but there's an end in sight. There is a deadline. There is this time. And maybe that deadline goes from five to 10 because, you know, and maybe it stretches or whatever, but if you could pitch this concept at the Tampa market as being a, this is what is going to get our foot in the door in the Tampa market, the Tampa market responds and supply and demand will add more games, right? If we can get to that place, where the Tampa market is proven to be viable, then we will respond by building a roof and it will become a full-time again. And, and, but there was never a plan B. There was never another option. There was never another opportunity for the Rays to become the full-time Rays again. It was always, guys, guess what? You messed up, you lost half of your season. But good news, you get to keep half of it. You know, it, it, all, it was always a negative from the jump and there was never this opportunity for the fan base to get excited, to respond in a way that wasn't just, well, uh, we're only worth half of a cookie, right? 
uh, and everyone else gets a full cookie. Like it, it, it never was positioned to succeed. And so I think Sister City was dead on arrival because the way in which it was laid out as the only option, the only future. Uh, Mayor Castor in Tampa has always nailed this. Sure, I'll entertain Sister City. There's a lot of options in front of us. And she never picked one. She never picked one. I bet even talking to the team, she never picked one. She was always just saying, oh yeah, sure, that's an idea. I'm open, sure, <laughs> bring me all the ideas, right? And just always left it as a, let's see what the future brings. If there was that evergreen kind of attitude for Sister City, instead of the, um, the rote repeating of like the uh, bringing half of the magic of Rays baseball to Tampa, as if that was going to excite everyone, like it never was going to work the way it was positioned to succeed. So I thought that Sister City was an interesting idea that's never worked before, that had an opportunity to be an interesting way to launch new stadiums and become a test case for major league baseball for the good of the game you could pitch that you could position it as a for the betterness uh, uh, of the market here and for the future of the the health of the sport major league baseball has decided this is what we're doing hooray tampa gets half a half a half a year i think that would have been great personally and, and jumping off that real quick i think this will be our last point the, the other way they could have spun it is the is the rays becoming like you said, they it, it's felt like for a while maybe they're not married to being in the Tampa Bay area forever. The, a transition into trying to become a brand that is bigger than just one region in this country. Uh, I think you're seeing that transition in European soccer clubs yep. like Barcelona. They do not see themselves as Barcelona, the city, that city in Spain's club. They see themselves as a global brand where they've got fans and people that are giving them tons of money and tons of revenue streams from every corner of the globe. And if the Rays, I don't know if it would have been possible, um, decided they wanted to be this, this, this baseball brand that was bigger than just the Tampa Bay area or even the Montreal area, maybe this was a, their, that first foray into that. I mean, look at us. We're recording this podcast three different parts of the country. None of us are in the Tampa Bay area right now. Um, obviously, we have Florida roots, but... You know, I, I think there are Rays fans all over the place that have found the team in every which way. And may, maybe, again, if they, if they had spun it a different way, it would have been more successful. But that, that, those are my final thoughts. You guys got anything else before we wrap this thing up? Uh, No. <laughs> I, I'm glad this is over. like I, I I don't like talking about the stadium stuff on the, on the podcast network that much, but obviously today's news we had to address, and and ultimately we can move on from the sister city stuff. Like Darby said, it will continue to get ugly, uh, uglier before it gets better if it ever does get better for Rays fans, and uh, that's gonna do it for this D Rays Bay podcast special. Thank you to Danny Russell and Darby Robinson for hopping on. We've got a new episode of Who's on Worst Out on the Podcast Network. We just dropped our review of Sam Raimi's For Love of the Game, starring Kevin Costner, which was uh, pretty terrible, as are most of the movies we review on that show. And uh, we'll also have new episodes of Raise Your Voice coming up. I want to look into the international uh, free agent class that the Rays just signed and maybe look into some of the other free agent deals they've made uh, as we head into the 2022 season, which... Who knows when it'll start, but there's still some Rays news to cover, and we'll have it on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of our great Rays coverage. If you like what we do, subscribe or follow to this podcast network wherever you get your podcasts. 
once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.